When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. League of Wonder, a Glisten Plus production. Episode 3, Worse Than a Storm. Twenty days passed as our ship, the We're Here, crisscrossed the calm waters of the Mediterranean Sea, heading west to Gibraltar. Another week went by as we sailed north through the Atlantic towards England. Now off the coast of France, I watched as the sky above the shore changed from a warm orange to a steely gray. Through the galley porthole, I could hear Archie and Evelyn arguing. Well, have you tried rotating it from the base while gripping it tightly on the top? Yes, of course I did, but I'll try again just to prove it to you. I crept to the window to see Archie grab the tube by the ends and twist until his fingertips turned purple. It looked as if he was ready to throw the compass across the room. Evelyn gently took the cylinder from his hands. Be patient. I'm sure Sherlock will be able to figure out how to operate it once we get back to London. He didn't do such a great job protecting the other slipper. Maybe he isn't so bright after all. Just then, the boat was jolted by a harsh wave. The fish soup in Archie's bowl sloshed wildly, leaving splashes on the floor. The cabin hatch swung open with a bang as the ship's captain, Disco Troop, pushed his way inside. He was a weathered man, skin bronze from decades in the sun, and fingers splintered from a hundred thousand tugs on the halyard. He scooped up a stale baguette in his large hand. Something's brewing out there, but it's not like the normal storms. The skies appear to be clear, and there's only a light wind. I can't make sense of it. The schooner was struck with bone-shaking fury. The wooden hull cracked like twigs underfoot. The ship lurched to the side. Everything that wasn't nailed or roped in place was sent flying across the galley, including Archie, Evelyn, and the captain. I was knocked against a barrel. The captain quickly pulled himself back to his feet. If we're up against the rocks, it's not safe to be down here. He dropped the baguette from his hand, charged back for the stairs, and climbed up to the deck. I don't think that was a rock. I felt Archie's arm scoop under my belly and lift me off my feet. Before I even realized what was happening, we were back on the deck. The moon cast an eerie glow over the black ocean. During the day, it never seemed like we were far from the coast. But at night, the shore got lost in the darkness. The only clue that we weren't hundreds of miles out to sea was a lone lighthouse flashing in the distance. Oh, out there! The crew of the We're Here were in a panic frantically pointing to the mighty waves that were tossing the ship around as if it was a little nutshell. I peered out from under Archie's arm in the direction of the trembling fingers, but I couldn't see anything. Then the second mate shouted out from the crow's nest. Oh, it's coming back around! Oh, hold on! And then I saw it. It was impossible to miss. A mountain of speckled white skimmed the surface of the water, barreling toward the schooner. 
The beast was the size of the great pyramids themselves. Its head was as pale as the full moon, and its eye as dark as the night surrounding it. The monstrous whale breached, flying high into the air. It had looked large in the water. Out of it, it appeared bigger than a dragon from a medieval tapestry. came down on the front of the boat, cracking the schooner in half as if it was breaking a matchstick. Almost immediately, seawater began enveloping the wood and ropes. Archie fell backwards, dropping me to the deck. The crew members were running in every direction, scooping up harpoons and fishing nets. Even I, who was by no means an expert on aquatic life, could tell that they would do little good against the giant whale. Archie! Evelyn! Get in the rowboat! And lie still! Evelyn ran over to me as the prow of the We're Here sank beneath the brine. She grabbed me and hurried toward the small dinghy that was lashed to the side of the schooner. She pulled a knife from her belt and cut the ropes holding it in place. The whale is coming around again! Archie! Where are you? I scanned the deck, but didn't see him. Go! Get away! Evelyn and I looked into the ocean. We both spotted him at the same time. He had slid between the two halves of the boat. He was treading water desperately, one leg tied in the rigging. Don't you dare come back for me. Get the compass to Sherlock. Find the other slipper before it's too late for everyone. The great white beast was almost upon us again. I squirmed free and ran to help Archie. Before I got four steps, Evelyn grabbed me by the fur of my neck. She lifted me up and hooked the golden tube onto my collar. What are you doing? Then Evelyn tossed me into the rowboat. I landed hard, toppling into the oars. Wait here. I looked back to see Evelyn sliding along the slick deck towards Archie. Suddenly the whale was out of the water again. landed on top of the schooner, cracking the mast and dropping the sail into the water. The massive splash snapped the rowboat free and sent it speeding away from the ship with me helpless inside. Flying above the chaos was a flock of ravens. One of the ravens spied the rowboat getting away. She flew down and hovered right by the whale's ear. The dark eye of the giant sea mammal focused on me, peeking over the ship of the dinghy. Then, with a flap of its fin and tail, the whale changed direction. I realized that it was coming straight for me. I considered leaping from the boat into the water, but I would never be able to outswim this monster of the sea. The whale opened its mouth. Water rushed inside like the drain of a bath. I would be pulled in. There was no escape. Then the raven shouted to me. Dog! Give over the compass! I won't do that! There are other ways of getting it! Swallow the dog, Moby! The giant beast's mouth opened wider. The whole boat was about to disappear down his throat. I had already closed one eye, bracing for the end, when I spotted a flash of green fly over the water and hit the side of the whale's head. Immediately, emerald tentacles sprouted from the sphere, wrapping themselves around Moby's mouth. 
The squid-like appendages squeezed the giant beast's jaw shut. The back of my rowboat hit the whale's closed lips, and rather than slide down his gullet, it was knocked away. Moby thrashed, trying to free himself from the emerald squid's tight grasp. The whale's giant white head smacked the ravens accidentally, knocking them out of the sky. I frantically looked around, and then spied Evelyn and Archie in the water. They were okay, and they had saved me with their last magic marble. Right now, though, I had to figure out a way to turn the rowboat around to get back to them. I barked to let them know I was aware of them. Perhaps if I grabbed an oar in my mouth... But before I could, Moby leaped out of the ocean once more. When the giant whale came down this time, a massive tidal wave formed. It pushed the rowboat away with incredible speed, and all I could do was watch as Archie and Evelyn became tiny specks in the dark sea. Soon the rowboat slowed. The weir here was gone, lost to the sea floor. The giant whale was gone too. And Evelyn and Archie were nowhere to be seen. I was supposed to protect them. What would Dorothy think of me when she found out? The rowboat rocked peacefully on the ocean. The steady waves sang a gentle lullaby. But the last thing that I wanted to do tonight was fall asleep. By the time the rowboat had washed ashore, the sun was already rising. It had been the longest night of my life. And I was more than eager to get my paws on dry land. I looked up the rocky beach into the pastures beyond. A lone cottage with stone walls and a missing roof faced the sea. A scattering of leafless trees leaned like towers of Pisa, their roots snaking upward from the soil. Truth be told, I had no idea where I was. The previous morning, according to Captain Disco's tattered charts, the weir here had been sailing along the coastline of France. It seemed likely that's where I was now, but there were no signposts or sweet-smelling bakeries to make me certain. I jumped carefully off the side of the boat and landed with a splash in the ankle-deep waves. I quickly scurried up the beach, trying my best to keep my paws out of the chilly water, hopping from one dry, flat rock to the next. I stopped on a large boulder and looked back at the empty rowboat. I wished dearly that Archie and Evelyn were safe. From the stories I had overheard them tell of their many adventures traveling the globe, I knew they were very tough and excellent swimmers. I was certain that they'd pull through and meet back up with me as soon as they could. Well, perhaps I wasn't completely certain. I felt sick to my stomach. Dorothy had trusted me, believed in me, and I had failed her. I wanted desperately to get back to London and 221B Baker Street, where she was waiting for me. Yet I was also petrified of the moment she would look into my eyes with heartbreak. I just hoped that once I nuzzled into her arms, she would forgive me. 
I looked down to the far end of the beach, where a lone farmhouse was curled up in the morning gloom. I hoped that someone there would be able to tell me where I had landed and the best route to London. As I ambled over the dried clams and mussels stranded by the tide, my mind wandered. I wondered if Dorothy would have been better off with a Labrador or a Great Dane or any other noble breed. Maybe what everybody had thought had been right. A Yorkshire Terrier is meant to look cute and nothing else. The pit in my stomach was growing bigger, and it wasn't because I was hungry. As I got closer to the farmhouse, I noticed that the roof had been torn off this building, too. Shingles littered the nearby grass like fallen leaves on an autumn day. The house looked abandoned. My nose told a different story. I caught a whiff of manure and dander coming up from between the two oversized doors of the neighboring stable. The scent was fresh. There were animals inside. I found a small hole in the front wall and crept in. Most of the stalls were empty. The only occupied ones were in the back, where a pair of horses stood. One was a chestnut filly swatting flies with her tail. The other was a tall and majestic black stallion who was staring sadly at the barn wall, lost in thought. Excuse me? I need some help. The chestnut horse shot to attention. She turned her head to see where my voice had come from. At first she didn't even notice me. Her eyes scanned for a bigger creature. I scuffed the dirt with my paws. Down here. The chestnut filly eyed me. Are you the new herding dog? You are a bit small, aren't you? My name's Ginger. Nice to meet you, but actually I'm just lost. Do you know where I am? The black horse turned to me, barely cracking a smile. Penzance. Is that in France? You really are lost. You're in England, the southernmost tip. I almost leaped for joy. This was great news. I was already in the right country. There had been maps and globes of the known world all over Sherlock's flat, but I had never paid much attention to them. Is Penzance close to London? Not at all. We're more than two days away at a gallop. Maybe Black Beauty over here could do it in a day. But for you, with those little legs, you'd be lucky to walk it in a week. I need to get there as quickly as possible. I'm afraid my young girl may be in danger. Well, you shouldn't be going anywhere with the weather as bad as it's been. Tornadoes and typhoons have been swirling up out of nowhere, ripping buildings to pieces and tossing trees. And I think I may know what's been causing all of them. What do you mean? I considered explaining. I had just met these two horses. I wasn't sure whether to trust them or not. On the other hand, it might be my only chance at convincing them to help me. I saw no other choice. I told Ginger and Black Beauty everything. I told them about the slippers, and Dorothy, and the ravens and the whale. Both horses listened attentively, not interrupting me for the entire duration of my story. At the end, Ginger turned to Black Beauty. You need to take Kip to London. You're faster than me. I can't go back. Black Beauty turned and walked to the back of his stall. What happened in London? He was once a great carriage horse for a wealthy family there. And he could be again if given the chance. I broke my knees. They've mended. You are as strong as ever. 
The only horses that they send to pasture are the ones that don't have a place in the city anymore. Ginger, did you break your legs too? No, I just bite. But if someone tried to shove a bit of metal in your mouth, you'd bite too. Black Beauty, take him. If not for him, then for you. You need to see the city one more time. Breathe its sooty air. Remember who you were, who you still are. Just so you can live here in the pasture knowing that you never lost your grandeur, never lost your beauty. Even I was moved by what Ginger said. After a long moment of thought, Black Beauty shook his head. Only to be reminded of what I lost. I'd rather not. If one slipper is causing all of these tornadoes, just imagine what two could do. What would become of Penzance? And England? Your country needs you. Isn't that what you've always wanted? Finally, Black Beauty turned back to face us. Okay. That's the stallion I remember. Ginger spun around and gave a powerful kick with her hind legs to the wooden gate of the stall. It split open with a loud crack. No time to lose. Let's get a saddlebag over your shoulder. League of Wonder, starring Donovan Patton as Kip, Makoto M as Lulu, Eric Peterson as Mr. Toad, Brian Stepanek as the Talking Cricket, Robbie Jarvis as Wit, Olive Epstein as Dorothy Gale, Santa Moses as Evelyn Gale, and Matthew McRae as Archie Gale. Written and directed by Adam J. Epstein. Executive produced by Sheila Stepanek and Adam J. Epstein. Edited and mixed by Christopher Sousa. Cover art by Alexander Garcia. Additional voices by Scott Peet, Daphne Bloomer, Michael Nering, Adam Epstein, and Suzanne Hesseloff. League of Wonder is a Glisten Plus production.